This is Jeff Peavy, and welcome to Collision Boost Radio. This segment of Collision Boost Radio is brought to you by AirPro Diagnostics. As students in the field of automotive repair, AirPro encourages you to consider a career in vehicle diagnostics and safety system technologies. Today's vehicles have a complex network of modules and components, and these onboard safety systems are critical to collision avoidance technology and must be inspected, diagnosed, and calibrated properly by a trained technician each time an accident occurs. If you love cars and technology, consider a career with AirPro Diagnostics. Simply go to airprodiagnostics.com and click on the Careers tab. Today we sit down with Josh McFarland, Vice President of Strategic Business Operations of AirPro Diagnostics. Josh, thanks for being here. This is kind Jeff, of fun. I'm happy to be here. Um, I, I, we probably don't have the, the best place. We may have some noise in the background, but I think we can still have fun with it. And, and really your story and, 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 uh, just getting to know you as a professional and, and, uh, as a person we've worked, we worked together for, I don't know how many years, but, um, we've known each other seven years now. Has it been that long? Nearly, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Same here. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I just, I think that there's so many of you guys out there that are, uh, well known in the industry, extremely well respected, and uh, your story is one that most newcomers to the industry can relate to. And uh, I, as we were just saying earlier, I, what a great industry it gives you a lot of opportunities, and I think we, as an industry, could do a lot better at presenting the opportunities. So, uh, Josh, again, thanks for being here, and I would like to start with the first question, and that is, tell us what you currently do. Sure. Um, well, it's, it's kind of hard to answer at the moment. So I've been, um, um, as my title suggests, I'm Vice President of Strategic Business Operations at AirPro Diagnostics. So we'll start with what AirPro Diagnostics mm -hmm. is. We are a remote service provider for diagnostic collision, uh, diagnostic collision services. Mm -hmm. So we've got a scan tool that uh, your technician at your shop would hook up to the, the vehicle and we remote into and we operate the scan tool. We operate the OEM licensed uh, software that's connected directly to the vehicle. Um, we've got a group of technicians that um, you know have come out of the automotive, generally on the service side of things, um, that operate these tools. But they're there to try and help you um, help your shop. You know, make sure that you're you're catching everything that you need to catch mm -hmm. on the electronic side of things you know, with ADAS and pre and post scans and module programming and static and dynamic calibrations and all those types of things. And so in my role as, as operations, I oversee all of the technicians and the processes that they follow. I'm also out interacting with the industry, et cetera. Um, but I've made this joke several times. I've been there for coming up on several, seven months now. And uh, I have a job title, but I don't have a job description. <laughs> um, which generally means show up and do work. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, it's, it, you know, we're a younger organization 
and and so I've got my hands in everything. Yeah, that's and, fun. Uh, and I enjoy all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm helping to, to, to grow people. I'm helping to find people. I'm helping to, you know, educate people on what we're doing. Um, I'm helping the organization grow. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. Yeah, that is fun, right? It's yeah. just a limitless opportunity. So, so then with that, I want you to stop and think about sitting in that chair right now with that mic in front of you. How did you get there? Tell us your story. How did you sure. get to this point in your career? I'll try and give you the medium length version. <laughs> okay. okay. So I've been in the industry coming up on 25 years now. And uh, I started at a career and technical school. Mm-hmm. I grew up in, you know, in one of those households where, you know, you've got, you know, we had older cars and we fixed them, mm-hmm. you know, and I was out helping my dad fix them. And at some point I found that I was doing, I was fixing them better than he was, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, at, at some point the light bulb came on and I thought, well, you know, maybe I, I need to go do this for a living because I hadn't really figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up yet. Yeah. Heck, I'm still not sure I know. <laughs> um but I thought, I thought here's, here's a skill that maybe I can go kind of, you know, build upon and, and leverage. Mm-hmm. And so I went through a two-year program um, and went to work at a Ford dealership as a service technician on the service side of the industry. Mm-hmm. And, and I worked as a technician for a number of years. Um, I took every piece of training that Ford had available and managed to earn what they call a Ford Senior Master Certification, um, which basically means you're trained bumper to bumper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew a lot about a lot of things, but I predominantly did heavy engine work. I wasn't all that terribly bright. Um, I liked working hard to, to try and um, collect my paycheck. Um, so I was tearing engines apart and tearing them out and putting them back together and putting them back in the car and, and doing that sort of thing. Head gaskets and so on and so forth. Well, after I'd been at that for a few years, um, about five or six years, I guess, um, after school, um, I didn't really know what the future held. I, I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I've ha- had a number of steps in my career, and I don't know that at many of those steps I could see what the next step was going to be. Oh, yeah. Um, I to that. And, and so, um, you know, I thought when I was starting off in, in this, you know, Ford dealership in the, in the service department that the future was, you know, someday maybe uh, I'll be brave enough to go be the service writer you know, which I didn't want to go do, but it, it was a necessary evil mm-hmm. to go be the service writer, <laughs> you know, if I wanted to become the service manager uh-huh. and, you know, the service manager and, you know, perhaps operations director or whatever, you know, um, was that kind of seemed like that was the limit, you know, that's, yeah. that's the, the full potential, you know, yeah. in that role. And, um, uh, as I progressed down that path, uh, the more I got to know about what, the service manager role looked like, at least in that particular store, the mm-hmm. less I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw what it was doing to, to those individuals and, and that wasn't really the path I wanted to follow. Well, meanwhile, I had an opportunity to become, to, to join an advisory panel with uh, Ford as a technician and provide them input. Oh, that was a great experience. Too. And it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. And, um, and, and it felt like my opinion mattered. And, and all of a sudden this light bulb came on that, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit more to this. Mm-hmm. And, um, on one of my trips up to Dearborn, I was living in Florida at the time on one of my trips up to Dearborn. Um, we got to go tour the tech helpline mm-hmm. and, and I walked through this tech helpline and these are people that I would call as a technician looking for help. Um, but these were techs mm-hmm. that, that had come to work for Ford and, 
and they had more resources at their disposal. You know, they had lots of secret databases of, you know, the different things that they'd run across Mm -hmm. and that they could, you know, go research and say, well, you know, here's a tip or a trick that you might need to go check into. And so fast forward a little bit and I found found my way to, to go take an opportunity and do that. And so I did that for a couple of years at Ford. Um, and then um, this was early 2000s, kind of as Ford was really cinching its belt mm-hmm. to avoid the, the bankruptcy that some of the other automakers had to go through. Um, and I saw that writing on the wall and thought, well, I'm not sure I'm going to get an opportunity, you know, in the long run to, to really be part of the Ford family. Um, and uh, an opportunity presented itself to go join Audi, doing a very similar function. So generally referred to as a service engineer. Um, sounds more technical than it was, um, but that's okay. It looks good on a resume mm-hmm. in the long run, and and there's a lot of benefit to having the right things on your resume. Yeah. And um, and so I was at Audi for a little while, and uh, I got a phone call from a friend that I used to work with at the Ford Helpline that had landed at a company called Raytheon, and I didn't know anything about Raytheon, um, but Raytheon does all the technical training, development, delivery, administration, et cetera, for GM. And they were doing work for Fiat Chrysler at the time. And they were um, doing work with Universal Technical Institute and so on and so forth. So they were developing technical training. Well, I had consumed a lot of technical training, but I hadn't really been involved in the development of it. And, um, and so the opportunity to go there and be a subject matter expert. So kind of like when I was being called a, ser- a service engineer, and I didn't really feel like I was an engineer. Now I'm a subject matter expert. I don't know if I'm a subject matter expert about anything. Um, but what I found was a subject matter expert is someone who either knows the answer or knows where to go get go it. Get it. Yep. There you go. And that's not terribly hard. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you just got to be willing to go look for it. And you got to be willing to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Yeah. Um, which is a, a valuable lesson to learn anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to work at Raytheon and, uh, and, and was there for almost nine years, working on a number of different accounts and kind of advancing as I as I went from account to to account, you know. So started as a subject matter expert, then I was a lead for the subject matter experts. Then, you know, I got involved in the curriculum analysis side of things, which is kind of deciding what a curriculum needs to be and what it needs to include, mm-hmm. um, and and the process for that. And along the way, I'm learning more and more about what training looks like and how to build it and and so on and um then about six and a half years ago is where our paths first crossed and uh i had an opportunity to join icar Mm -hmm. which is what brought me into the collision repair side of the industry and i joined icar as a director of curriculum and product development and so i led the team up in appleton that put together uh training material for icar for six years and did a great job by the way uh, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, I think um, I'd like to say that that team does a really good job, and I helped kind of, you know point them in a little bit different direction and and clear obstacles out of the way mm-hmm. so that they could, they could go do what they were good at. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed that that job and that that group of people. And um, but six years down the road, and and it was time to to make a change, and it was time to get back closer to home in Florida, and. Um, And it just, you know, it was no longer the right fit for me, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I was ready to do something different and and find some new opportunity. Um, I wanted to stretch my legs again. I wanted to, you know, find more opportunity for growth. Um, And so uh, the opportunity with AirPro Diagnostics came up. And uh, I've been there now coming up on seven months. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Time's flying. 
Yeah. Well, you you definitely are landed in an area that is fast growing. Oh, it sure is. Yeah. It wow. sure is. Uh, great story there. I think the, the, the theme there is the opportunities there. Yeah. It is. And and I think you have to be you have to be patient mm-hmm. about what they are and you have to be observant. Yeah. Um if I'd have had blinders on and just kind of been head down working, I wouldn't have necessarily found those things. Right. Um the other thing I would say is you have to you have to want more. Mm-hmm. Um and there's nothing wrong with not wanting more. I re- I know plenty of people in this industry that have found their niche. Mm-hmm. They're in the spot they want to be in, and they're going to stay in that spot indefinitely. Mm-hmm. More power to them. Yeah, I'm not wired that way. Mm-hmm. I want to continue to take on more challenges, more responsibility, and 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 stretch my stretch myself towards you know bigger and better things. Um, but that's just how I'm wired. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being wired differently. It's just you know. Well, it's it. I think what it highlights is that we have an industry that will allow you to do pretty much whatever you want if you're just open to the doors that are often put in front of you. Absolutely, uh, it's a it's amazing uh, uh, industry, and and I've, I say this a lot, and in, in the interviews we have, you know, it's not perfect. No mm-hmm. industry is. There's nope. things about it that will drive you crazy and frustrate you, but overall, and I think you probably would agree, when you look back, things sometimes may have seemed like it went slow, but when you look back, it actually went pretty fast. Sure. Uh, it really does. And when, I, when I stop and think that in 2002, I was a technician turning a wrench, mm-hmm. and in 2013, I was the director of, of curriculum at ICAR, reporting to the CEO, mm-hmm. and then in 2019, I was vice president of a company. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, on a timeline, it's pretty good, right? That I, I don't have any complaints about that. No, and, and that's the beauty of our industry. It just uh, the the opportunities are there. So, you know, I, I mentioned one of the questions about what do you think is an important is, is important to understand uh, as a newcomer to our industry? You know, so I, I kind of phrase this like, you know, what is it you wish you'd have known earlier in your career? Sure, that is another way of putting. Well, that. at the risk of just being kind of obvious, everything. Right. But, um, but what I mean by that is training and, and having an open mind and keeping your eyes open about what's going on around you. And, and if you want to advance, you have to pay attention to far more than just what's on your plate. Yeah. There you go. Um, you know, so I'll I'll use an example. When when I started at Raytheon, I didn't know anything about developing technical training. Mm -hmm. Now it's not all rocket science. But there's folks that go to school and get college degrees in, in adult education and instructional design, et cetera. And, and I was working with those folks. Mm-hmm. Well, I could be head down and just do the tasks that were mine. And I'd have been fine as a subject matter expert and, and been able to hold that role. Or I could be kind of heads up and eyes open and paying attention to what they're doing and why they're doing it and, and learn from that. And, and grow from that and be able to take on some of those responsibilities over time. And that's what I did. Yeah. So you um, added value to your employer and to the industry. And now for many years after that, look at all the value you've added to other companies sure. and to the industry in general. I, uh, you are currently a co-chair of the uh, CIC. Education and Training Committee. Yeah. And more. Yeah. So. And, uh, and, and I'm a board member at the ASC Training Manager, Training Managers Council. Yep. Um, and, you know, um, participate in, in lots of other groups and, and mm-hmm. things like that because I have a passion for it. And, and I guess um, when, when I say training, um, I don't mean what's in a book or in an online course or whatever. That's training. Mm-hmm. 
But that's training doesn't always look like training. Well um, said. And so um, oftentimes training is paying attention to what your boss is doing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's doing something you like and you want to learn from it or doing something that you don't like and you don't want to repeat it. Yeah. You, you know, and, and, you know, when you have the opportunity to be in his or her seat, um, you know, just because that's how they did it doesn't mean that's how it has to be done. Mm-hmm. Or it might mean that's what needs to be done. But you got to pay attention to it and learn from it in order to, to, to have that information to act upon. Um, the other thing, you know, I said before, be, being observant. Um, I, at no point in my career have I ever walked past a door without at least peeking through the peephole. You know, it doesn't matter how happy I am in, in what I'm doing mm-hmm. um, or where I'm at or who I'm working with or for or whatever. Um, when I'm walking past something that seems like that might be interesting, I want to know more. Yeah. Well, um, that's, that's... And that, that make, might make me sound, you know, uh, you know, from a glass half empty perspective, like I'm not faithful to my employer. It's not that. Yeah. I'm no, faithful it's... to my employer. I mean, heck, the last employment opportunity I left, I gave seven weeks notice. Mm-hmm. I'm faithful to my employer, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but I'm also... I'm also, also faithful to, to me and, and, and where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And the only way, only way you're going to get there is if you know that it exists and you, you, know, you look out for the path. Yeah, that's so well said. So uh, just to turn that question a little different, yeah. uh, any, any advice that you would give to someone coming into our industry beyond what you've already said? You've covered some pretty good ground there. Um, advice that I would give, apart from the training component, it is getting to know people. Um, I, I think the, the biggest light bulb that came on for me last year, um, 2019 was the strength of your network. This industry is not that big in the grand scheme of things. Um, I routinely meet people that I haven't met, but if you do the Kevin Bacon, you know, six Mm -hmm. degrees of separation, it takes two at most to find who we know in common. You know, um, it, it is so common to, to run into somebody that knows somebody you know yeah. or that worked in a role that you used to work in or or worked the place you used to work or now works there or yeah. or you've run across them at some point in time and now you're working with them yeah. or for them mm-hmm. or you're hiring them or <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so the the strength of that network um, and and maintaining good relationships and um, and getting to know people is is invaluable in the long run. That's fa- that's fantastic. Yeah, someone once said there. I read it where it's like the more people you know, the more you can accomplish. It is. Yeah, and that's well said. So I'm gonna, I want to shift gears on you a little bit. Didn't plan on this. So you have a Mustang project you've I been do. working on for a while. How's that going? Um, you know what? So the the move, you know, from um, the living in Wisconsin to Florida. Um, definitely has slowed things down a little bit because, you know, when you pick everything up and move, and we we moved into a um, a three car garage in Florida looks different than a three car garage in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. I learned that pretty quickly. Um, they just they they build it a little smaller down there because they don't expect you actually try and park three cars in it. Yeah, because uh, you don't have twenty five below in winter, you yeah. know, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I've got a sixty five Mustang. I've I've owned a Mustang, Jeff. I think you know this about me. I've owned a Mustang. Um, pretty much continuously since I was about 13. Yeah, Ford guy uh, from the beginning, right? Yeah, and so 
I had some money saved up when I was a kid and I had about a thousand dollars and there was a 66 Mustang that that was kind of a project and, mm-hmm. and I was 13 years old and I thought okay well if I buy this now um, maybe I can get it to where it's road ready by the time I've got my license and I did so uh, I was about that age saved up my hay hauling money from mm-hmm. Texas and I bought my first car was a 65 Mustang with a 289 in it so you did better than I did because mine was a 200. Oh yeah, you know, with a C4 automatic. It yeah. was not the car I wanted, uh-huh. um, and eventually that's why I got rid of that one because it was a clean car, but it had all the wrong running gear in it. Yeah, and I thought at that point in time, working in a dirt driveway, you know, with my dad's tools, the idea of changing out the engine and transmission and yeah. exhaust and fuel and suspension and brakes, that was too much. I, I yeah. couldn't tackle that. Yeah, uh, but I've got a 65 coupe now that is. Um, the body work is done. The paint work is done. Um, and, and while I am, st- while I still identify myself as a technician, I am not a collision repair technician. <laughs> I understand collision repair technicians, yeah. I think pretty well. So which, which engine, what engine have you put in this car? I've got a five liter 302. It's carbureted with a five speed, um, four wheel discs. Um, and, and lots of, I, I'm not the guy that wants the car to be all original. Mm-hmm. I want the car to be fun to, to, be fun to drive. Yeah. And uh, so um, when I say that the body work and paint work is done, that's because those friends, that network mm-hmm. in the industry, they, help. yeah. they helped. Yeah, I, I wasn't even allowed to touch the sandpaper. <laughs> I was allowed to clean up the sandpaper after uh-huh. it was used, mm-hmm. but I wasn't allowed to touch the sandpaper because I'd have messed it up. Yeah, it's uh, you really hadn't gone into detail, but engine-wise, it's actually pretty stout. If I Yeah, it is. It's, 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 so I, I built a, a five-liter. I did some head work, and I mm-hmm. put a different cam in it and, and uh, a different manifold and headers and, and things like that. I would guess it's probably in the neighborhood of around 300 horsepower. Mm-hmm. It's not over it's the enough top. enough to be fun. But, but it sounds right. Yeah, it sounds it's got good. that lump to it, you know, mm-hmm. when, it's, when it's idling, and that's really what I wanted because yeah. I just want a car that will be fun to drive. Yeah, I'm the same way. My 77 Corvette. Yeah. Had to be lumpy. Yep. It, it, uh, it did really well. So uh, good. Yeah. And, f- and for you collision repair guys that are, that are painters or, or body techs and, and, and not necessarily into, into the, you know, engine stuff, lumpy just means it's sitting there idling and it sounds right. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, At least that's to some of us, it really does. And yeah. fuel injected doesn't have to sound that way. But no. Yeah. Carbureted does. Well, uh, Josh, thank you for taking the time to come by Collision Boost and uh, yeah. interview with us. And Thanks for the interest. Hey, uh, thank you a lot. So Collision Boost listeners, just a reminder, if you have uh, any questions or comments, collisionboostradio at gmail.com is a good way to get in touch with us. Uh, let us know if there's anything you'd like to learn, questions you have. We'll use it as uh, content, uh, content for another uh, episode or we'll include it in an episode. Or if there's any other thing we can do to help you, we are here to do that to help you be wildly successful in the collision repair industry. The opportunities are out there. Beautiful. Thank you.